Uh, today I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And I came to preach and teach this morning, came to preach. I feel, I told first service that I feel a little John the Baptist this morning. Uh, the word said that John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness. He was out in the wild. How many of you know it's wild out there, folks? It's wild out in the streets. Uh, it's wild out uh, in our nation. And he wasn't teaching. He wasn't lecturing. He wasn't doing a podcast. The word said that he came and he was preaching the word and he was declaring repent for the the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, the kingdom is coming. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You need to get ready to change your life because it's going to wreck you. And the, how many of you know that the, wor the world needs this truth today? Amen. The world needs to know, listen, uh, do, don't, don't, don't fall asleep in this hour. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom, uh, the, the, the king is coming for us. And I want to preach today about the kingdom of today because, uh, as you know, there are a lot of things going on in our culture, in our world, in our nation. It's a, a culture war, if you will. Uh, but um, I do believe that the kingdom of God is the thing that can solve so many issues in our culture if it's operating at full capacity and we know what we are to be doing. If you did not get to hear the message a couple of weeks ago on Harvest Sunday, I encourage you sometime this week to go listen to it. I was telling first service, I wish I would have, wish I would have preached these two together for a, uh, a little series. Uh, but here we are today. And uh, we, we, we went through an election this week. And you see all these different stories and things. And we're still waiting on some of the things. And we're, when you see people in uproar and some are happy and all these things. But as, but as the church... As the body of believers, we have got to get to a place where we stop believing and putting our faith in politicians. We've got to get to a place where we realize, yes, they can help, but they are not the solution. We've got to get our hope out of an earthly government because I do believe that the only thing that can fix the real issues of this world, guess what? You are a part of it, and it is the kingdom of God. Amen? Uh, a four-year term cannot fix a lot of these issues. A governor, a representative cannot fix a lot of these real issues. They may can fix gas prices. They may can help with the inflation, but they cannot fix the real, the sin, the moral issues of a land. God is looking for the church. Amen. He is looking for the kingdom to operate in these days. And I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 12 this morning. And let's look at the beginning of the kingdom. This is God speaking to Abraham. And at the time he is writing, Abraham is somewhat of a heathen, if you will. He is not of the belief. He is worshiping false gods. His morals and his values are not where they should be of, uh, of someone that you would think that God is about to use. But God is about to make a nation out of this very man. He's about to take a people that did not exist and caused them to be great and caused them to be fruitful. It's interesting to note, I was thinking about this while uh, preparing, that it's very interesting to note that there were no ethnic people, no original people groups that were actually Jewish people. Jewish people, God's people came about because he took them out of a group of people that already existed and said, I've got something for you. I want to transform your life and I want 
want you to be an entire nation by yourself. God changed them into something that he desired them to be. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we see this happening. It said, now the Lord said to Abram, which is later on Abraham, Abram, he said, get out of your country. Get away from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Here God is speaking to them. He said, I want you to leave what you do know and step into what you do not know. How many of you understand that so often that when God is speaking to you and God is giving divine direction and vision, it more than likely will require you to step into an area that you are not an expert in. Amen. It's the way that God works. God gives you direction uh, into the unknown so you will have to rely on him. That's the way that he operates. And in verse 2, it says, I will make you a great nation. He said, I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many of you would love for God to speak that word over you today? That's one of those words. It's like, oh yes, Lord, I will receive that. It sounds great. He said, he said, I'm going to make your name great. Some translations say, I'm going to make your name famous. God created fame, but Satan has distorted it. God wanted you to be known. God, God intended for you to be great. God intended for you to be known as a part of his nation. He said, I'm going to make you like me. I'm going to make you great. He said, I will bless you. You shall be a blessing to others. He said, when other people curse you, he said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to have your back. He said, but here are three prerequisites that must happen. Write these down. He says, get out of your country, get away from your family, and get out of your father's house. I'm going to go back to these in just a moment. I'm laying some groundwork here. Now go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We just read in the Old Testament, God taking Abraham and turning him into a nation. The Bible says that we are the seed of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham. That means that that word and that blessing that was spoke to Abraham is still up on us today. Amen. I said that that promise and that word that he spoke to Abraham is still up on us today. If he blessed Abraham, he will bless you. If he'll bless his family, he will bless you. If people talk about you and he struck them down, guess what? He's got your back today. Aren't you thankful that God has your back this morning? First Peter chapter 2 says, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You see these verses coming together here. His, his own special people, some say a peculiar people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness or out of your own ignorance into his marvelous light or into his knowledge, who once were not a people, we just read this, who were once not a people but are now a people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained the mercy of God. Are you catching this? He said, we were once nobodies. He said, but now we are somebody. We were once not even a people. He said, but now since we've come into the kingdom, now we are the people. Let me preach this this morning. It is no, uh, it's no secret, it's no shock here that we are living in a non 
Christian society. That society has strayed away from biblical view, worldviews and beliefs. And now we have churches in America that have backpedaled. They are walking backwards to actually get to the level of the world instead of bringing the, wor- the world up to the level of the church. And now back in or back in the day, if, if, if the church would have seen a member um, sliding backward into get to back to the level of the church, we would have called that backsliding during the day. Anybody ever heard that word? It is the act of literally sliding back in the spirit, sliding back into what he delivered you from, sliding back into your old posture, your old thoughts, your old beliefs, your old action, your old sin. And now here we have a generation of churches in America that are sliding back. They are back sliding all in the name of acceptance and relevance and we're trying to be relevant instead of showing truth and bringing the world up to standard to the to the word of God amen and now guess what making disciples is just too hard of a job nobody wants to do it and now Since success is measured by the size of the church, we want the church packed every Sunday. So now we feel like we can't speak the truth or we can't preach what needs to be uh, what needs uh, what, what 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 needs to be exposed? Why? Because we're afraid we will lose people, and success is now on the size of the congregation. And now we feel like we need to curve, or maybe step back, or loosen up some, so that we can actually grow and be accepted. Let me tell you something today. If you are a person that's like that tree planted by the water, and you will not be moved with your faith or your values, I want you to know it will cost you something. It will cost you popularity to, 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 uh, to, to speak to your friends and say, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. It will cost you something to speak against hot topics. It will, it will cost you something to actually call a sin a sin. And in today's society, even the Bible is just, just viewed as a religious document. Follow steps one through 10 and you'll get to heaven. Let me tell you something. That is what we call a religion. It's religious thinking. God had compassion on the children. God had compassion on widows and the poor. But guess what? He hated the religious folk. And the same is true today. People that know the word but will not follow the word. People that will quote the word but they're not living by the word. People that will look down their long nose at somebody and can't even see the sin in their own eye. And guess what? The Lord still hates it. And he's looking for a church that will stand in an hour such as this and say, I will not be moved. Jesus did not come to earth to bring a religion. He came to end religion. I said, Jesus did not come to bring religion. He came to end religion. The Bible is not a religious book, but the Bible is a book about a king, his kingdom, and a royal family. I said, the Bible is a book about a king and the kingdom and his royal family. And we here in America, we really cannot understand the principle of kingdom because we have grown up in what we call a democracy. I've heard democracy at least a hundred times this week while watching the news. 
Democracy. Democracy is a place where people have rights. You vote, you have an opinion, you have a voice. Everyone has a say-so. And so often we interpret things through the eyes of our experience because this is what we know. So it's hard to see a place like a kingdom. But in a kingdom, that is not their policy and procedure. In a kingdom, they do not operate like that. Kings do not care about elections. They're going to do what they want to do. They don't care. They're not going to wait on a vote to make a move. They're not going to get a quorum together and say, what do you think, yays or nays? No. They're just going to do what they want to do because they are the king. Kings do not let the opinions of those around them sway them or, 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 or move them into a direction that, 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 that's beyond their will. A king has a strong will and intent. And when a king takes a territory, get this, <clears throat> what he does is he goes in and he imposes his values. In biblical times, when a king would take a new land, he would go in and he would impose his beliefs. He would impose his government, his structure, his behavior upon these people until what? Until they started to behave like he did. And then it became his kingdom. And the Bible says that Jesus was born to bring a new kingdom to earth. And the Bible says that he was born in the fullness of time. That means he was born right on time. When God said, now's the day, my kingdom needs to come to earth, there it was. And get this, he was born in the middle of the reign of the strongest empire in history, the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was different from all of the other empires and kingdoms because a lot of other empires, when they conquered a group of people, they would go into that land and they would bring those people back into their land and they would teach them. Like in the book of Daniel, you know the story, the Babylonians, they had taken the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of their land. They were in exile and they pulled them back into their own land uh, that the Babylonians um, owned. And the king looked at them and started saying, I'm going to make you like me. You're not going to live like you used to live. You're not going to talk like you used to talk. You're not going to dress like you used to dress. You're not going to eat like you used to eat. You're going to do exactly what I told you. And these three boys were thrown into a fiery furnace. Why? Because they looked at the king and said, I know I'm in your land, but I'm not going to behave like you. I'm not going to talk like you. I'm not letting go of my faith, my, my, my beliefs, my core values. I'm not taking on your values. We will be like the tree planted by the water. We will not be moved. We're continuing in our faith. Why? Because we belong to God and you cannot change our, who our God is. And they got thrown into that furnace because they stood and they believed and they would not waver from their beliefs. And God showed up as what? The fourth man in the fire. And the word said that they came out and did not even smell like smoke. I want to tell you this morning that God is looking for a church in this hour that will stand up and say, this is the word of the Lord. I don't care if it's popular. I don't care if it's cute. But guess what? We will not, we will not bow. We will not waver. And we will not even smell like the toxicity around us. 
It's not getting on me today. And what was the king trying to do? He was trying to impose himself upon them to get them into the kingdom. And here Jesus is born and he come, here comes John the Baptist. And he's what? He's preaching. He's preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is coming. You better get ready. Jesus is coming. He was saying, you better change your life. You better get ready because you're never going to be the same. There's a king coming to earth. And Jesus was born. Jesus was born to bring the kingdom. Jesus was not born to, for an alternative religious lifestyle. He was born to rule. There was to be no other religion. There was to be nothing else. And he came to bring his kingdom. And John the Baptist said it. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. The, the kingdom is coming to earth. Even Isaiah said, listen, listen, folks. Whenever that kingdom comes, he said, there shall be no end to it. He said, I don't care who says what, the kingdom will always be. I don't care who's president, the kingdom will always be the kingdom. And Jesus shows up and the kingdom has arrived on planet earth. And now Jesus is out in the streets and he's preaching. If you look at the gospel, so much of his teaching is about the kingdom. It's kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. He's talking about the vine, the vine and the branches. It's the kingdom. Everything is about the kingdom. And he starts preaching not only about the kingdom. He said, but now that the kingdom is here, guess what? The kingdom is actually inside of you. So not only are we in the kingdom, but the kingdom is inside of us this morning. And he starts preaching this because Jesus came from a different land, heaven. He came to his new land, earth. And what was he doing? He came to be the king to impose his culture, to impose his beliefs, to impose heaven's traditions, heaven's laws, heaven's government. He came to bring his kingdom to earth and he planted a seed in all of us so that we could go out and help him spread the kingdom. And if we could ever get this concept of the kingdom through the hard head of the church, it would revolutionize the way we live and pray because some of us need to quit praying prayers like, God, will you please take me away from these crazy people? <laughs> Did it ever dawn on you that God may have you around crazy people so you can change their culture? Well, Lord, I don't understand why I have to be around all these heathens. Anybody ever say that on a Monday morning? Lord, move this cubicle. Lord, give me my own office. Lord, give me a new job. Lord, I can't, I can't be with these kids today. Anybody ever said that? Some mama's lying right about now. Some teacher's lying right about now. But do you understand that God put the kingdom inside of you and put you around so-called heathens so you could transform the heathen into a citizen of heaven. He's given you the gift of the kingdom inside of you, but you don't understand, Lord, I just want to work around a bunch of Christian people. No, you don't. There's some crazy Christian people. 
Look at your neighbor. He said that you are the salt of the earth. He don't need you to salt the salt. He needs you to salt the earth. People who do not know him. God wants to put his beliefs, his customs, his traditions, his passion inside of you and then sprinkle us all throughout society in an atmosphere of crazy people, in an atmosphere of, 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 of demonic activity, in an atmosphere of doubters. He wants to put you right there until what is in you infects the entire environment around you. Well, I don't know God's plan for my life. God's plan for your life is to be the salt to heathen people. If you're around crazy people, that may be right where God wants you. If you work with some lost people and they're cursing and they get on your nerves, guess what? God wants you right there because he's put the kingdom inside of you, not to remain silent, but he's put the kingdom inside of you because he wants what is inside of you to get out of you and on to everybody around you. You are the kingdom. When a kingdom is developed and a king starts to speak or sets the law, guess what? His law is not optional. You are in his kingdom and you do what you what he tells you to do. When God speaks a law over his people, it doesn't matter if you don't like it. You can't rebel against it, you can't repeal his law. You can't go get a religious exemption against God's law. God's law will stand and one day you will stand before the law. Woo, this is good. If there is a law in heaven, which there is that God created that said that, that, that if you want the windows to open up in heaven and pour out a blessing, he says, you've got to sow, you've got to give. Guess what? God is not in heaven waiting for you for your vote of approval on that principle. It's just the way that heaven operates. And it's the way that heaven will operate until the trumpet sounds. He don't care what you think about it. If he's spoken it, it's over. It's the kingdom law. It's a kingdom principle, and it's not changing. His laws never change. So here we are as Americans. It's hard for us to understand a kingdom. We think a kingdom, and you probably think about the royal family. How many of you know it ain't like that? But we think about something like that because it's hard for us to understand it. Because here in America, if you don't like it, just post about it. Chick-fil-A gave you seven nuggets instead of eight. You let them have it. It's my pleasure. You don't care. In America, we got a voice. We ain't afraid to use it. If you don't like something, we've been taught you complain until you get the meal for free. Yep. We've been taught if you embarrass the school system long enough on Facebook, they'll give little Johnny just what he wants. Mm -hmm. It's about to get deep in here. 
Because I've seen some of your Facebook posts. Woo! We have learned, we, we have taught a generation, if you complain long enough, you'll get it. Little Johnny is a demon at the house. Why do you think he's going to be an angel at school? You can't control your own kid. And you expect a teacher to? No, let little Johnny have his way. Take him out of that mean teacher's class right now. He's an angel. I know none of you have ever said that about your kids. If you don't like something, we say go, go, go march, go hold up signs, go pick it, cancel it, whatever. If your toes get stepped on in a church, go ahead and get mad. Go to the next corner and find something else. And listen, we will often find the church or an organization that requires the least amount of change for ourselves. I like to drink, so I'm going to find me a pastor that will drink. You at the wrong place, buddy. Well, I like, to, I like to vape. I like to smoke, so I'm going to find somewhere that's going to let me do it. Is it really a sin? Let me tell you something. If you're addicted to it more than you worship, it's become a God in your life. And you need to lay it down at an altar today. I don't care. I don't, it, it may be a boyfriend. You need to come lay your boyfriend on the altar. Say, come on, we're going to the altar. I don't care if it's cigarettes. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's something you've been watching. Some of us need to lay our phone down on the altar. If you're spending, whatever you're spending more time with than worship to the Lord, it's an idol. And he said, this can't happen in my kingdom. And here we are. If we don't like it, we'll post about it. So if I don't like something the pastor says, well, I'll be, I'm leaving. So I'll, I will discover what my lifestyle is, and then I'm going to find a church that will preach that version of Jesus. Woo, this is good, preacher. But we're afraid to say, no, 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 no. You need to repent. The kingdom of God is here. And the king is coming. And now we're backed in this corner and we're, we're sliding backward. We look like Michael Jackson up in here doing the moonwalk. We're just, we're just sliding on back nice and slow because we're trying to get to the level of the world instead of bringing the world up to the level of the word. Living in this culture of the customer is always right. Whew. You must have never had a public job. If you think that's it, because some of you know the customer is not always right. Whew. You're sitting there like, oh, I'm just so sorry. I hope you come back. Never. Whew. I'm getting hot. Living in the culture of this where we've created this type of life. Now we've created this monster, but we've made it even more difficult for the world to understand how God's kingdom works. The Romans had a different style. They had a different system. Instead of going and getting you and bringing you into their land, they would take a group of people and what they would call a governor. 
And they would take a governor and a group of people and they would send them into, into the new land. And when they got there, the governor, he was, he was infiltrating the land. He was telling people their beliefs and their culture. He was setting new standards. He would, they would go in with traditions and they would just infiltrate everyone around them until, guess what? They all believed the same. They were all walking the same. They were all in unity. They, and, and, then, and then they would declare, this is, this is part of my kingdom. Do you remember Pilate? Guess what? Pilate was not the top dog, but he was such a big figure in the Bible because Pilate was actually a Roman governor. And what was he doing? He was sent to the very town that Jesus lived in and was born in. And he was sent there, what? To infiltrate it with the Roman ethics. And Pilate one day even looked at Jesus and said, don't you even realize that I have the power to take your life? And Jesus looked at him and said, oh, hang on. No man has that power. No man. He said, I've got the power to lay my life down and I've got the power to raise my life up. You don't have to, you don't have to say so in my life. Your voice is, is, is null in my ear. You're just a governor, but I am the king. Pilate was there to Romanize the area. That's why they say when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Because you didn't have an option. You were part of their empire and their kingdom. And here comes Jesus. He wasn't trying to get everybody into a building. He had a different growth model. He wasn't worried so much about a physical building. He was trying to build a nation. So now here he comes. And he came to put the kingdom inside of you. And why? Because he wants to send you out to the marketplace. He wasn't worried about getting everybody into the building. He was worried about getting his kingdom into everybody that he talked to. And why? So he could send you out to Walmart. He could send you out to Target. He could send you out to be the CEO of a business. He could send you out into schools, into educational system. He could send you out to the nations and let what is in you get out into all of those around you. That's how he planned to build the kingdom are you building the kingdom today I know you know the kingdom is in you but are you letting the kingdom out of you and on to others and why we are in such a secular culture of our world is because how can the world understand the kingdom when the church doesn't even understand the kingdom so we get in the world and start acting just like the world the church, save folk. This is what we've been told. If you want to be relevant, you got to look like them. You got to act like them. So get right in there with them. And before we know it, we are so deep in the world that we're acting just like the world we've been preaching against. And then we lose the ability to change it. Because if you act like it, you can't change it yourself. That's why he said, come out from among them. Come out from among the heathen. Come out from among the doubters. Come out from among the world. Why? So you can actually have a voice and change it. He said, come out from among them. And then here we are in this kingdom. And the Bible says that one day you're going to be asked the question, who is your king? I know you call yourself a Christian. I know you got the cute t-shirts. You white girls got all them Christian t-shirts with your Starbucks looking all cute, getting ready for winter. 
Jesus loves me, Merry Christmas, and all this stuff. But are you living it? Who is your king? Who, who are you really serving? The Lord said that one day he's going he's gonna to ask you and be like, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me king, but you don't do what I say to do? Why do you call me king if you don't live the way I have told you to live? Here you are standing in front of me. You got saved 10 years ago, but you've not learned anything. You've not changed anything in your life. You, 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 you don't even keep my statutes. You don't even know the word. And here you are now standing in front of me now that the life is over. And now you're calling me king. If I were your king, my kingdom would have ruled your life. If I were your king, you would have acted like you were from my country. You would have acted like I would have known you by looking at you. You would have acted like you were from my country. Because in my country, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. In my country, you got to love your enemies. In my country, you got to forgive your neighbor. In my country, you got to turn the other cheek. In my country, you got to live, you, you got to live in honor. He said, where's that been all of your life if I'm your king? Get this. God told Abraham, Abram, when it was written, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to try to write nice for you. I'm going to make you a nation. But before I make you great, before you understand the kingdom, he said, look, there are three prerequisites that you've got to understand. Before I can bless you to the fullest, before, before I can cover you like I want to, before you are really that nation, before you are really the kingdom, there are three prerequisites that I want you to get hold of. He said, one, get out of your country. Get out of your country. Write these down. Country. Whenever looking at the word country, it's often translated in the Hebrew to ethnicity. He said, if you really, that's not right. There we go. He said, if you really want to understand the kingdom, if you really want to do what I've called you to do, you've got to get outside of ethnicities. You've got to be able, he said, you've, you've, you, you've locked yourself in because, I don't know if you know this or not, but whenever, whenever you walk into this building, we're not representing a race. Whenever you're walking downtown, you don't represent a race. He said, I've come to create in you a new nation. I don't care what color you are. I don't care your background. And you've got to understand that you are to never again be defined by your race or your color or your ethnic background. I don't care about that. I may be white to you, but I'm not white to the Lord. I'm just his son. I'm just his child. He said, I've come to create a new nation because what we do is we look and we see color, and we think we know their story. Oh, yeah. You look like you from West Side. You look like you from that side of the tracks. Oh, you look like you from up North. He said, he said, look, look, 
I look upon the heart. And you really don't know somebody until you get into their heart. You really can't look at somebody until you know their heart. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you great. But the first thing you've got to do is come out of the limitations that people have placed on you because of your background. You've got to get away from the way you were born. You've got to get away from that. He said, your potential is not in your color. Your potential is not in your last name, but your potential is in this word and the promise I have spoken over you. You can be who I've called you to be if you can get away from this. The word said that we've been crucified with Christ. You know what happens when you get crucified with Christ? You lose your identity. Therefore, guess what? The white Chase Holson back died, and I no longer live. But the Jesus Christ in me lives. And the kingdom is inside of me. And now I am a new creation. Now don't refer to me as white Chase Holsomeback. I may have to check it on boxes, but guess what? I'm just not a white American. I am a citizen of heaven. I am a child of the most high. Because there's neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free nor male. Nor, he, said, he said, I don't see those things. When I look at the church, I just want to see a reflection of myself. He said, Number two, if you really want to be a part of the kingdom and be at it at its fullest, number two, you got to get away from your family. Y'all don't be shouting on that one. Some of y'all just got free right there. You're like, I've been waiting on this word for 20 years. I receive it. Christmas is over. We ain't going to Thanksgiving. I told you. Man, help me out. He said, your family. When you look at the word family, in the Hebrew, it's often, it's often translated into class. Your social class. In the kingdom or in the world, we're so often, oh, they're upper class. Oh, they're upper middle class. They're lower middle class. They're poor. They're at the poverty line. Oh, they're rich. Oh, they're not. Oh, they're up and coming. Oh, they're educated class. And get this, God does not recognize the class systems of earth. There's no class system in the kingdom. If you're in, you're in. And if you don't watch out, We, the church, will let a class system keep us locked up from growth. We will let a class system keep us locked up from from, from reaching out and spilling over. It doesn't matter what side of town you grew up in. Amen. God wants you in his nation today. It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic class you were in. God wants you in his nation. And sometimes you've got to get out of this class line and get out of the class system and declare, guess what? I am bigger than this. I am bigger than what I grew up in. I am bigger than what I know now. And God is the God of the universe. And I am his child. And I'm a part of the kingdom. And he said, number three, if you really want to know what the kingdom, how you need to be operating in, he said, you got to get away from your father's house. Some of you just rejoiced because you're about to kick your 20-year-old out. The word said it. But father's house When you're looking at it, breaking it down, it means generations. 
If you really want to know how the kingdom works, generational curses. You have got, if you want the kingdom of God to get out of you and you want to be able to win people all around you, you've got to get out of this mindset that granddaddy was broke, daddy was broke, so I'm going to be broke. Grandma was divorced, mama was divorced, so I'm going to be divorced. You got to get out of this generations of cancer, so I might as well get tested every every month because I'm just paranoid and I can't even live. You got to get out of your head. Well, grandma and grandpa, they had heart disease, so I might as well get ready. I ain't going to live to see age 50. So I might as well just live it up until then. No, so I just need to prepare. No, no. God said, I've got things I'm, that I want to do for you that is so far beyond your family, but you can't see it because all you can see is what your family did and if you can ever understand that you are not confined to your ethnic background to your class or to what has happened to generations before you if you can ever get that in your head and start understanding chase guess what you are part of a royal priesthood you are part of a chosen generation you are what part of a holy what a holy nation i said you are part of a holy nation you may be american but guess what you've got a heritage in the heaven today and you are a part of a holy nation this nation may not be holy but guess what your nation you are part of a holy nation you we listen we've got to get away from white church we've got to get away from black church we got to get away from brown church we got to get away from hispanic church why because we are the kingdom of god and sunday should not be the most divided day of the week